Hello, my friends. This is life coach Mike Chargman, and welcome to an episode of Mike's Search for Meaning. I'm after some big questions. Why are we here? What makes a fulfilling life? How can we grow individually and collectively? Each episode, I'll dive deep with leaders who are doing great work in the world and see how they organize their life. Books read, value systems, resources used, and stories that show how each of you can create the life and the world of your dreams. I am joined today by Kat Norton, who is also known as Miss Excel. Since launching Miss Excel in June of 2020, Kat has grown a community of over 1 million people on TikTok and Instagram through viral Excel trick videos infused with creativity, music, and dance. If you haven't seen her content before, picture freezing your Excel cells to Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice or creating a drop-down menu to Drop It Like It's Hot by Snoop Dogg. That is the type of energy she brings to her videos. Kat was recently awarded the Microsoft MVP Award and was named one of the top 10 social media influencers of 2021 by Forbes. Kat trains both individuals and companies in Microsoft Office and Google products through fun on-demand courses and live custom training sessions. Additionally, I'll be donating to and raising awareness for the charity or organization of my guest choice with each and every episode. And in this episode, Kat has selected the organization Pencils of Promise. I have donated and please join me in donating. The link is in the show notes. And as you can tell from Kat's bio, and as you will immediately hear when she opens her mouth for the first time, Kat has such a contagious, infectious, high octane energy. I believe those are the exact words that I used in the beginning of the interview. And she talks really fast and creates and moves through her life with a lot of purpose. Now, in this conversation, we talk about what underlies all of the work that she's doing today. And it starts with inner work. Kat didn't always like to be front and center and to be seen. And so in a lot of ways, starting a business is a supercharged personal development, immersive experience. And Kat found that out really quickly in 2020 when she went from having a very small following to having a massive following seemingly overnight. And there's a lot of inner child work that she speaks to in this conversation that shows how did she get comfortable from being terrified of being seen to having an audience of over a million people. And she speaks really eloquently to what's happening in her brain, what's happening in her nervous system, what are different practices that she has that allow her to keep expanding. She talks a lot about her relationship with money and how she had a very scarce relationship with money at one point. And so how did she call in all of this abundance and start living her dream life, not just her dream business, but her dream life. Kat and I also went to Binghamton together. So I've known her before she was Miss Excel and she's such a sweet and awesome person. It's really cool to see someone like her excelling, no pun intended, excelling in the world and succeeding at the highest level. She's a really great, generous person she wants to pay it forward too. I know that she really supports other entrepreneurs and creators like myself. And to be in her orbit is to really expand in abundance. So with all of that said, settle in, take a deep breath and enjoy all of the wisdom that Kat is going to share with you right now. 
Hi, Kat. Welcome to Mike's Search for Meaning. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. I hope that I can match your infectious, contagious <laughs> energy. It's high octane all the time. And I, and I really appreciate that, that about you. And I know that you've done a lot of inner child work, and we're going to talk all about inner child work. And I start every interview the same way. This is a good on-ramp into the conversation for us. I would love to know what it was like at your dinner table when you were growing up. Ooh, great question. So, I mean, I'd say at the dinner table, it, it was pretty chill, the Norton team. You know, got a mom, a dad, a younger brother growing up. I mean, on the surface, I bet if you like look through a window, it would look pretty normal. But then I also just had a lot going on upstairs from an anxiety perspective. So as I was younger, I had a pretty severe anxiety disorder all growing up. So that was something, though, I did a pretty good job of hiding it, too, which even if it flares up nowadays, too, like I could be doing a full presentation, be having a pan panic attack like nobody knows, you know, so and like I feel like on the outside, like looking in, it would look pretty normal, but there was definitely a lot going on. Wow. Hmm. How would you describe yourself as a child otherwise? I mean, it sounds like you you presented a certain way and there was a lot more going on upstairs, as you said, but how would you describe what you were like as a child? I was definitely very creative. I was always starting businesses. So like, and for example, in kindergarten, I started making paper fortune tellers and trying to sell them in the cafeteria for a quarter. And then in third grade, I made a newspaper and tried selling it door to door, the Melanie Avenue news at the time. And then I went on, um, Fast forward to even in college, I started a company selling high-waisted jean shorts where I was going to thrift stores, buying jeans, and then like tie-dyeing them, studying them, running this whole thing out of my backyard. So I, I feel like I've always kind of had this like entrepreneurial spirit. And then it was always like very creative. I was always like designing things, creating things, like doing like weird little art projects in my parents' house. Mm. Where, I mean, I, I went to college with you. So where were you, yeah. <laughs> where were you selling at, in Binghamton, New York? Where were you going to pitch these different ideas? Like, where were you selling the jean? Was it jean shorts you said? Yeah. So I, I had an Etsy shop. And luckily, you know, I made them all in my size. So when they didn't sell, I was able to keep them. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, I also, I know that you were also, there was a fear of, being seen, right? So there was the creative energy and there was the entrepreneurial spirit. And there was also, I've heard you speak about how in class, let's say that you were scared to raise your hand. And I, and I really relate to that. And I would love to know how that showed up for you or maybe different stories that illustrate that. Because I think a lot of people who are tuned in all, I think everyone actually, tuned in, not tuned in, whether we think we're creative or not creative, everyone I think has a lot of creativity that might go untapped. And one of the excuses that I made for myself around not being creative was that I was just too shy. I, I was like, I, I don't have it in me to put myself out there. I'm a behind the scenes guy. There's all types of stories. And I, I just wonder how that showed up for you when you were younger. And even yeah, now, I maybe. felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. So really, when I was younger, I was much more of like a creative behind the scenes. And I would only ever raise my hand, one, if I had to, but two, if I knew I was right. 
So it definitely had like this undertone of perfectionism, which really actually showed up for me in corporate as well. Like that's kind of where the anxiety like grew into as I grew older. It was like perfectionism. It was imposter syndrome and really just like not putting myself out there. But especially as a kid, it was like I would create all these things, but then I wouldn't really show them to people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where it came into play. And then also it was like a lot of like fear driven stuff. So for example, I was a straight A student because I was scared of being wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I'd spend a lot of time studying and it helped, you know, propel me through life. Like, cause I did well in school, but I did well because I was scared of being wrong. Mm -hmm. So what was the corporate job that the, the predecessor to Miss Excel? Yeah. So I started working at Protivity right out of college. It is a global consulting firm. And I'll never forget, I started off, I was doing securitization reviews for banks, which is as fun as that sounds. And every week I was flying to a different state for work. So for three and a half years out of like the four and a half, I would hop on a plane on a Monday morning, fly to a different state, new client, jump in their spreadsheets, analyze their stuff, fly home on a Thursday. At that point, I'm like, it doesn't make sense to like move into Manhattan because I'm only home on the weekends. So I was living in my parents' house, traveling every week, just kind of like bouncing around. And then also right when I started at the company, I, for fun, I was on the bench for a week. I built out an Excel training program and someone looked over my shoulder and was like, hey, what is that? And I'm like, oh, you know, just a little Excel training course because I became good at it during the MBA program, Binghamton. And they were like, you need to show that to somebody. So I presented it to the managing directors and they were like, yeah, like we need you to teach this. So I started flying around the US also hosting Excel trainings for four and a half years as well. And at that point, I remember it was a push. Like I was pushing myself to do the public speaking part. And like, that was kind of like the part where I was teetering, where I had like done it a little in college. I got a little better at it. And like, that's really where I pushed myself in that arena to like, okay, you're going to stand up in front of the New York office, all your friends and coworkers, a lot of our college friends too, all work there. And I'm just going to get up in front of a hundred people and teach Excel. And I did it though. And I remember the first time I did it, I had multiple people come up to me being like, you should give a TED talk. Like that was really good. You're such a good public speaker. And I was like, really? You know? And that's kind of where like those seeds are getting planted of like, okay, like maybe I could teach this stuff. Oh, that is fascinating. Could you, could you walk us through what the fear looked like for public speaking? I I think it maybe it shows up differently. I know that you're very in touch with your thought patterns, maybe even somatically what was going on and we can go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, when I was younger, I remember like doing any form of public speaking was my biggest nightmare. I would like talk to the teachers, especially in middle school and be like, hey, can I present just to you in ninth period? Like after school, you know, I would always try to like get out of it and like maneuver my way out of it. So I would get up there. I would be able to usually get the words out, but I'd be like bright red. I'd be shaking. And it was funny because I still remember the time someone in my class told me I was bright red and shaking because I didn't have the self-awareness at the time to know. And then once I knew what I looked like, it made it even more more daunting to go up and do that, right? Because I'm like, oh my God, I look so uncomfortable. And so that's kind of where it started. And then as I got older, I remember in college, I was in the leadership and consulting major and our professor, Kim Jossie, really pushed me. And she had me like get up in front of the class and give a 10 minute presentation, no notes, no nothing. And I had to pitch a product to the class. 
And I remember like, that was one of the first ones that I did though, where I actually did really well. And I started to kind of see like, okay, like maybe you can do this. And then now even like, now I've been presenting quite often and doing keynotes and things like that. I actually have my first really big in-person keynote coming up in San Diego in a couple months with like thousands of people, big audience. That one I'm really like, that's the first time in a while where I'm doing something I'm scared of, you know, but like, Overall, I've been doing them a lot more, so it hasn't been flaring up. But I remember when I first started Miss Excel, I had like a few presentations where like I can be having this panic attack and I can just full on like nobody has a clue and the show goes on and I'm doing things. But then I get out of it and I'm just drained. Like mm-hmm. all my energy is drained because I was in fight or flight that whole time. So then I come out and I'm just like, oh, and that used to happen at first too when I was doing webinars. I would do these webinars with like thousands of people and it's a lot of energy to hold. And I remember I can only do like one a day at the time because it would knock me out. And now I'll like stack them like three a day because I know how to kind of like hold the energy, hold the space. And I'm not like nervous about it anymore, you know, because like Mm. the whole thing kind of flows better. So it's really practice helps so much. Yeah, I want to get into I'm going to put a pin in that for now. And I want to get into that because I think there's a whole conversation that we could have about maybe ways that you're regulating your nervous system, ways that you're managing your energy that so that you can show up and keep putting the reps in and i actually want to go back into what i mean it's it's very clear that you were giving excel trainings and it's it's obvious where the idea came from right like it was a natural step but i don't think that you really believed at any point that it was going to be your entire livelihood and and a very prosperous one at that so what if you could walk us to it's beginning of the pandemic you're still living with your parents where did the idea for Miss Excel, like how did it actually start coming into fruition in, in any tangible way? This is my favorite story ever. So, okay, I, I'm going to take you way back a little bit to March of 2020, because that's where like the real work began. So March of 2020, I stopped traveling every week for work due to the pandemic. I am back in my little childhood bedroom of my parents' house And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And I was like, okay, I have extra time on my hands. So I'm going to dive into some inner work. And at this point, I was listening to the Expanded Podcast a lot by Lacey Phillips. And she has this program that helps you in a structured way, go through your inner child and shadow and all different things. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this thing a try. So I start doing that. I start studying the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I start doing Kundalini Yoga Meditation. And I called that kind of like my little trifecta. And I start just going in on this. I'm a Capricorn. Like I just, you know, I love that structure. I made a notebook. I had a chart. I was doing twice a day inner child work, morning, night, morning, night, going in, clearing out, clearing out, clearing out. And because I'm like, what else am I doing right now? You know? So I kind of just dove in really hard. I remember like making vision boards. Like I was just doing like all the things. And I went in for about two months, just really heavy hitting, like pulling out a lot of stuff. And I remember it was it was an intense time. Like I, I remember coming out of my childhood bedroom crying once one day. I'm like, mom, why'd you dress me weird in kindergarten? Like, you know, like all these things are coming up. 
And it's very interesting going through inner child work while living in the house with your parents. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very just and being in my childhood bedroom where, you know, I lived my whole life. Like it, it was just a very interesting time. So that goes on for like two months. I'm kind of going through it. I don't even know like what I'm doing. I just felt called to do it type of thing. And then I was on the phone. This is now June of 2020 with my best friend, Anna projector in human design, great visionary. And we're talking about like side hustle ideas that I could do with my Excel skill set. And a couple of weeks before that, my boyfriend, Mike and I were like, okay, maybe we can sell, you know, Excel training to his small business network because he was in sales on Long Island and he knew a bunch of small businesses. And I was like, okay, like, you know, we'll make this like video pitching me to teach. So I remember we were walking around the block. A lot of people don't know this story. We were walking around the block of my parents' house like every day practicing our lines because I didn't know teleprompter apps existed. So it was like, hi, I'm Mike. I'm Kat and this is built to Excel. And we're just like walking down the street, practicing our lines and like trying to shoot this video. We still have the video. It is terrible. And then we like asked our day jobs if we could do this and his day job put the kibashi on it. So we're like, all right, that idea is shot. And so at this point, I start like a drop shipping company. I learned how to do that stuff with Shopify, all that. I'm like, okay, this could be another side hustle. And then I'm on the phone with my friend and she's just like, what if you put the Excel tips on TikTok? And I was like, mm, TikTok, you know, I'm 27 with a corporate job. I can't make a TikTok. I'm going to like read a book or something. I don't even have TikTok, you know? And I had this whole like connotation about it. And then it was funny. We hang up the phone. And when she said it too, I had a vision of what it would look like. It was, it was like a lightning bolt hit my head. And I saw the Excel screen above my head with me dancing below it. And I remember glitching out in our conversation too. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like I, I was just glitching out. So we hang up the phone and like 48 hours go by and I am in like major distress because my brain is like, you cannot make a TikTok. And my gut was like, make the TikTok. And I, my brain and my gut were just at war. And I remember Mike, my boyfriend, looking over to me being like, are you okay? Like, what's going on up there? And I was just like, I think I cried. Like I was freaking out because I just felt like so strongly that I had to make this TikTok and it was so bizarre. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this secretly. I only told my mother, my boyfriend, what I was doing. And it was like the next day I had woken up and it was 6 a.m. And I start shaking Mike. I'm like, Mike, Mike, Mike. And he's like, what? And I'm like, Miss Excel. And he's like, what? I'm like, that's the name. It's Miss Excel. And I look and the handles were open. I grabbed the handles and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to test out making this video. Now at this point, it's like a Friday afternoon. It's three o'clock. My schedule magically clears. I'm like, I don't even know how one would get an Excel screen above their head, but I watched a 40 minute YouTube video on video editing and I'm like, okay, I think I have enough tools to try to do this thing. So I, I like recorded my Excel screen on a zoom meeting. Cause I didn't know how to screen record and I downloaded that. And then I like uploaded it into a video editor and I took like videos in my room on a ring light that I'd bought for like that other business. I was trying to start with the Excel training and I had this tiny ring light. And I record this video of myself to the 2Z slide by Drake, left foot up, right foot slide, to left and the right function in Excel. And so I make this video and I upload it. I put the screen above my head. I'm like, oh, this actually looks pretty cool. So I'm like, okay, 
I'm going to secretly post these videos. I'm not going to tell anybody. And so I like, it was June 7, 2020. I like post my first video and then I was having fun. So I make like 10 more that night. I'm up to like 11 o'clock at night. I'm just wailing out these videos. My mom is like, what the hell are you doing in there? There's like, all this like rap music blasting. I'm like doing whatever I'm doing. And I edit those videos over the next few days. And I post one a day by video number four. I look down at my phone and it has 100,000 views. And I'm like, oh gosh. And it gets pushed to all these people I know. So I'm starting to get messages from people I work with. So I get messages from my friend. They're like, what is this? And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You know, shadow starts blaring up again for a minute, jumps back into the inner work. And then (laughs) video number five, by video number six, I get a message on one of my videos from the CEO of an IT company. And he's like, hey, I love your teaching style. I have contracts with all these school districts. I'm looking to create G Suite training videos. So the Google version of everything I was doing for students, parents, and teachers, because this is when schools were starting to go digital with the pandemic. So clearly I'm a Microsoft gal, but I'm like, okay, like these products are similar. I'll figure this out, right? So I watched some more YouTube videos, maneuver myself, and I signed a contract with this guy. And I remember with the money part of it, I was like, he was like, how much do you charge? And that was the first time I had to like energetically be like, what is my worth? What is the value of my time? You know? And I remember thinking the dream of like, I wanted it to match every month what I made at my day job for doing more like 10 hours, 15 hours a week. And I went in with that number and he agreed. So at that point I was working the side hustle, like 10, 15 for him. I was still pushing out Miss Excel videos because at this point it was helping people. They loved it. So I was getting really lit up, you know? So I just kept recording these videos and I was still working like 40, 50 at my day job. And a couple of weeks go by, I'm still silently posting my videos. And around the third week, I had my first video go viral. And I looked down at my phone. I will never forget this feeling. So it was like for someone who didn't really use social media once, it was the craziest feeling in my life. I'm holding my phone. I'm looking at the TikTok screen of the notifications. And each time I would pull down, I was like rapidly pulling down to refresh the screen. It would be like 15 new followers, 15 new followers, the whole screen every second. And they were just piling in. And then a few hours later, I looked down and I had 100,000 followers. And I was like, oh my gosh, the video hit 3.7 million views. And now I had this audience. And I was like, oh, what do I do with that? So at this point, everything's going on in the news about like TikTok's going to get banned in the US, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, yo, I got to hedge my risk here. So I create an Instagram account. And at this point, I start posting the videos on Instagram too. And then I go viral on Instagram and I grew 50,000 people in a week. And now at this point, I just kind of keep creating content and going viral on both the platforms every few weeks. And next thing you know, I have like a few hundred thousand followers across both of them. So now it's like October, 2020. I'm still posting this content. It's funny because I did not tell any of my friends what I was doing. I let it find them. So like, I just kind of like, let it, let the universe do its thing. So all of a sudden I'd get people like, what is this? You know, cause I'd come up on their for you page. So it's kind of like seeing where the videos went and a business coach had reached out to me in October of 2020 and was like, Hey, like, do you have a product? And I was like, Oh, touche. You know, I, I should probably be selling something with this audience here. And you know, the next logical step was to build out an Excel course because 
you know, I was getting asked like pretty much every day. People were like, do you have a course? Do you have a course? I had never made a course before, but I really was like, okay, I'm just going to channel my creativity into this thing and build out the most fun, entertaining, engaging course I possibly could. So I take two weeks off from my day job on vacation. I'm in my living room and (laughs) I map out like a hundred video Excel course. And I just like brain dump onto a piece of paper. And then I sat with it for a couple of days and like meditated on it and just infused it with like really cool things and creativity. Cause I'm like, how's the coolest way I could teach this stuff? Like I had like for functions, I made like wheel of functions, like a spin-off wheel of fortune. <laughs> and I, I bought a green screen off Amazon and I was like, and I taught myself how to green screen edit and had this vision of like, and I made the wheel of fortune in PowerPoint to kind of no, be aligned with Microsoft. <laughs> and I had this like PowerPoint wheel behind me. And I was doing like all, I did like a real estate example where I'm like taking them outside, walking a neighborhood with like houses. Like I was trying to just make it really cool, you know? And so at this point I make the course. Now it's like November of 2020. I start selling the course Black Friday. And the thing with course sales and a lot of products is what they'll tell you to do. If you work with a business coach or like, you know, people in the industry, they're going to be like, sell it before it's done, which, you know, with an anxiety background, is an incredibly anxiety inducing method, right? Because you're selling something that isn't quite ready. But that is what puts the fire under you to actually get it done. So, you know, I'm a last minute procrastinator type of gal. So like having that pressure of like all these people I know already bought it, I'm like, okay, we gotta, we gotta make this thing. So I crank out the course, I start selling it Black Friday of 2020. Fast forward two months later to January 2021, I'm still at my day job at this point. It's bringing in more money every month than my day job, passively from the course sales. Like people are just finding it on my page. I wasn't really talking about it too much on social media, but I guess like my link in bio, people were clicking it. So at this point, I'm like, all right, Miss Excel is getting 10 hours a week. My day job's getting 40. You're both bringing in the same thing. I think I need to jump. And I met with another business coach at the time who like looked me in the eye and was like, what are you doing? at that day job. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know, you know, health insurance benefits, 401k. I don't know. And she's like, you need to quit. And so I remember the day I quit, it was like one of my favorite days, not because I didn't love the company. I was obsessed with the company I worked with. I love the people I worked with. I actually am a vendor for them. Now they hired me back to teach Excel. Absolutely love the company, but I just knew like, I really wanted to teach Excel. So I'll never forget this day because I didn't know when I was actually going to do it. I'm at my parents' house. It's like 10 a.m. I wake up, I make some waffles. I'm like, I'm going to quit my job today. Mm-hmm. And I'd never quit a job before. I'd interned there. I'd worked there at college. I'm like, I think today's the day. And I ping my managing director, you know, that feeling like, hey, can we talk? Mm-hmm. And I, I message him and he's like, I, I, I he, at this point, he had seen it. A few people in my group had seen it and they're like, oh, cute. She has a TikTok, you know, like they weren't thinking I was doing anything. And so I got on the phone and I was like, hey, so, you know, I, I think I need to, you know, try this full time with the TikTok thing. And they were so supportive, like the entire company. I spent all day. I ordered in food to my childhood bedroom, ordering food all day. I had to call like 30 people because I was on big team. So I'm just all day. I'm like, do you know me? Do you know about me on the internet, Steve? Because a lot of people had no idea. And it was like all these like older guys and they're like, TikTok, what? And so I was trying to, you know, explain it to everybody. And my last day in corporate America was February, 2021. And at that point, 
I had all my time back and I was like, I will be dangerous with all my time back. So I whale out nine more courses over two months. I get a really good system down. I start building these hundred video courses across PowerPoint, Word, Outlook, OneNote, Teams, Google Sheets, Kids Course. I just start whaling out. I get my system down where I could build a hundred video course all by myself, start to finish in a week. So I just stayed super regimented. And at this point, I was not doing my 15 hour a week work life. I, I was grinding it out building those courses. I would, I would take like a day to map out the content. I would take like two days to film two, six hour days, roughly. And then three days to edit last day I post the course and I was selling them before they were done. So that was part of why I did them all so quickly, you know, but they were selling and I was like, okay. And then by April, 2021, I started doing webinars and that's where financially the business went from like $10,000 in, you know, my first year of 2020 selling to six figures in April. And then it scaled to seven figures after I started compounding and like building out the different aspects of it. And then, yeah, it really started taking off in 2021. The press started picking it up around there too. So like the fun part about my business is it's been this like energetic game for me of what I can call in. So For example, the whole business that I run has been formed by inbound leads. So every press outlet, I've been in over 50 different global news outlets. I've never reached out for press once. Between Forbes, Business Insider, I was on BBC last week, like everything just comes to my inbox. Even from the first time, I was like, I'm just going to project this frequency of I'm doing cool shit over here and I'm going to build this thing and the right people are going to find it and the right people are going to reach out. And I kind of just went in with that mentality of like not reaching, but just receiving and like tapping into the feminine energy of that. And that's what I feel really allowed the business to scale. So then like the press started picking it up. And then I did like a really good interview on The Verge in October of 2021 that went on and went viral and then that got picked up. So the whole thing just kind of scaled really quickly once I had the baseline down. But I do think that like the underlying thing of this whole business is the inner work that I did beforehand and that I continue to do because it doesn't end like there's always new levels to reach things that come up and especially when you're on social media and you're getting like a lot of attention there's always positive and negative we live on the polarity planet so the bigger you get the more people love you the more people hate you and you have to be able to kind of hold that energy field of like okay you're gonna get negative comments but I let them roll off me because I know who I am I know my shit and I just kind of let it do its thing, you know, but that is in a nutshell, the story of how Miss Excel was formed. (laughs) Beautifully done. Well, thank you for sharing. There are many, many, many elements that I want to zoom in on. And, and some of them are, it's really multiple dimensions of inner work. So I want to start with just if you named Dr. Joe Dispenza, you named Lacey Phillips. And in my experience, I'll say my personal experience, but also in just understanding humans and understanding behavior change, a lot of times we start following those people or those types of people. We start getting into personal development because we are in a lot of pain. And I'm wondering during your, I, I guess it was like four or five years at Protivity, yeah. was it, what, when did you, was it something you were always into? Did you always study personal development work, inner work, or was it, were you coming from a place of pain? Was it a place of vision? Was it all of the above? Yeah. So I started kind of getting into the space in 2019. I, on a whim, went to Morocco 
on a kundalini yoga retreat. My senior at work at my day job quit our day job and went on to teach kundalini yoga. And she was hosting her first retreat in Morocco. And that was something like so scary for me to just up and leave, like leave the country. I went with my best friend, who's actually the one that had the vision of the Miss Excel putting on TikTok. The two of us were like, let's just do this. This is wild. We've never done this type of yoga before. Like had never tried it. We went right before we went to like a class in Manhattan. And I was like, I guess we should try this because I heard they breathe really fast. And like, I don't want to pass out or something. (laughs) So I'm like, let's just try this thing, you know, and we loved it. And I was like, I felt so energized after I was literally just like high on life. I remember like walking through the streets of Manhattan after being like, everything's so beautiful. Like I was going to be been to Manhattan, you know, it's not, not all birds are beautiful. And, but I was just, you know, like so high on breathing, which Mm -hmm. sounds wild. And I was getting all these creative ideas and I just felt so good. I was like, okay, I'm going to go try this. So I went to Morocco and I did Kundalini yoga multiple times a day. And then at the same time, it was also a surfing retreat and I had a fear of the ocean. And I thought it was a good idea to sign up for a surfing retreat. And, but I was like, I'm going to push myself because I have this thing in my head where I'm like, the only limits we have are the ones we place on ourselves. And I'm telling myself this narrative that I'm scared of the ocean, right? Like, and I really went when I was younger, like I got sucked up in the waves when I was little, it definitely formed that little, you know, like the fear of getting pulled in the undertow. And, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sign up for this thing and try. And every time I jump out of my comfort zone and I push myself, like, I know that's when I grow, you know? So I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it. And I went and I surfed five days in a row. I got up on the board and I had this whole like revelation. I was like, whoa, like I could do anything. I'm the only one standing in my way. So that was kind of where it began. And then I started studying a lot of this stuff because I thought it was really cool. And then when I read that book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza, I literally read the first hundred pages and it changed my life because for me, I'm like a very logical Excel mind, as we may have guessed. I needed to see the science behind the law of attraction. I had the whole like, think positive, good things will happen narrative, right? And I was kind of like, yeah. But my logical mind was back there like, you really believe that? Like, is there something? Yeah. And so when I read that book, which Dr. Joe Dispenza, if anyone listening doesn't know about him, he really demystifies the mystical. And when he teaches and explains things, he goes through a lot of these concepts and brings science to back them. So a lot of the different law of attraction concepts, quantum physics, but he breaks it down in a way that you can understand if you are not a scientist as myself. So I read the book, was like, oh my gosh, we're creating our realities right now. What kind of reality do I want to create? And at this point, I'd been listening to the Expanded Podcast for so long and she just does a really good job of like subtly selling it every episode. So I think after a year and a half of listening, I'm like, you know what? She's running a sale. I'm like, maybe I should try this thing. And I just like latched on because basically you put headphones in 20 minutes, you're in a meditative state. She does binaural noises. So you get into theta and then she speaks prompts. And then you're able to get these memories from childhood that just pop up. They haven't thought of in so long. And she teaches you how to reprogram them up there in the field. And it sounds wild, but like, you don't like forget any of your memories and stuff like that. But just over time, you show your subconscious that there could have been another way that then removes the electromagnetic charge of the memory that's currently projecting in your reality. So for example, I, you know, had this vision of me in preschool crying every day with my teddy bear. And it was funny doing this in my parents' house. Cause I remember telling this to my mom, she was like, Kathleen, that was like two days. But that's the only ones I remember because you typically will remember more of traumatizing things. So I went in and envisioned myself in this state 
in preschool happy. And between that, it kind of neutralized the electromagnetic charge of what I had been putting out there of like, oh my gosh, you're a victim. You're scared. You can't do things. Right. And then I kind of like neutralized it. So like, there were so many different examples like that of, I had of me and my childhood as this like victim, as this scared little kid, like sitting in the guidance office every day of sixth grade. Cause you couldn't sit through class, you know? And like, I, I cleared that out and kind of balanced it back out. So then I got to this place energetically where I was like, Hmm, if I could do anything, what would I actually want to do? And then that opened up the door for when the creative hits came down, I actually had the engine to go out and pursue them compared to old me, which would be like, hey, you can't do that. Oh, you cannot dance on TikTok. You can't do, you know? And like, once once we get out of our own ways, we can really do anything, you know? So like that for me, it was like a really big turning point of like clearing some stuff out, learning how this stuff works. And then just the applied science of quantum physics really helped. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bit envious of the way that you it seems like when you focus your attention on something and you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit to doing it, you just you catch on really quickly and it it hits and then you and you keep doing it and doing it and doing it. I for me it's been a little bit of a slower and, and steadier type of approach. And and I think one of my curiosities maybe would be to zoom even more in on the I think Dr. Joe Dispenza and Lacey, it seems like they complement each other really well, right? They're just they're just showing you in in so many ways that you're making up your own reality. And we have a bias towards a lot of the things that are holding us back are formative memories from when we were younger, let's say. So for you, one of the examples was you, know, you were you, the holding the teddy bear when you were younger. Yeah. I'm wondering if hmm, would I rather go personal example here or, or further explanation of the work? Yeah. I think I want to go to, I want to do both. You can answer yeah. in either order, like any other examples that came up for you and like just a couple more reps of what it is. And then also an explanation of what is Dr. Joe Dispenza or like what is helping you to create the, you named theta waves at, at one point. Yeah. So it's just like a little bit of an explanation of what is happening in your brain in what would what we mostly consider consciousness and what's also available in altered states of consciousness. Absolutely. So taking a step back as well, I feel that for me, which I think might be the case for a lot of people, right? Just, just an underlying thing too. These are certain modalities that worked really well for me. Different things work for all Mm -hmm. different people. Right. And it really just is a matter of finding a modality that makes sense to you. And that works for you. There are so many different things in this space. But for me, I kind of needed something that was working on the logical mind and then something that was working on the subconscious. So I kind of hit it from both angles. And then the Kundalini yoga that I do kind of underlays between the both of them. And that's like my active daily practice. And so with the Joe Dispenza piece, for me, I needed to see some science. Like the man is literally doing experiments and he's testing all these people's brains before and after meditation. I also started studying meditation. Cause like, I feel like meditation could get a bad rap sometimes because people are like, oh, you know, I can't like my, I think too much, you know, I can't just sit there and go home and clear my mind. My mind's not clear. Asking someone to clear their mind and not think is like asking your heart not to beat. 
Your brain is always thinking. You have thousands of thought options per every second, right? And so really, once we kind of pull that expectation out of like, it's okay if I have a thought, you know, while I'm meditating, then it gets into, okay, why are we meditating? What's going on? And meditating is really our hygiene for our brain, right? It is the time where we can go in and let our subconscious clear things out. It's working things out and it's giving our brain this break. It also, for me, is kind of the bridge between the left and the right side of the brain. So the left side of the brain, we got the logical side, right? Analytical, you know, your girl works in Excel, we're, we're up there. Yeah, I was a very left brain driven person. However, I also do have the creative side, right? And this is just an aside where if you are trying to play between these two realms and really optimize that space, it definitely helps to leave blocks of time in between when you're transferring between different spaces. Mm-hmm. So for example, I'd be in corporate, I'd be on all these meetings, working all day, grinding out my spreadsheets. And it's like, let's put in a 30 minute time block to have a creative brainstorm meeting. If we're all in our left side brain, so we're not coming up with that million idea, most likely on the right side brain, right? So same thing goes with meditation. So I use meditation there as kind of like my bridge to take me from the left side to the right side. So then I'm able to kind of like flow in between the two of them. And so really I view meditation as one, a mental hygiene practice, and then two, as a way to tap into the feminine energy, tap into more of a creative flow state, so then be able to go create things. So I kind of needed though, to understand that before I'd actually start doing it, right? Because like, you're like, Mm -hmm. everybody's meditating. It's just trending while I'm actually doing it. I needed to read the science behind that. So that's really where Joe Dispenza came into play for me. He also has another really great book called Becoming Supernatural that I've been working on myself. His his books are a bit dense, but when you get through them, it is mind-blowing. And I'm actually, I made it a personal goal to go to one of his in-person retreats this year. So that's something I'm going to do as well. But really with Joe Dispenza, it is one of those things where if you are having any doubts in your conscious mind about the law of attraction and your ability to create your own reality, highly recommend reading a little bit of science on it to clear that out so you're not standing in your own way when you go to do any form of inner work. So for me, that was like a big piece of it. Then in terms of what I did with Lacey Phillips' program, To Be Magnetic, is she has this portal online that is a more structured way to go through inner child work, shadow work, working through limiting beliefs, things like that. So basically online platform, you go through some videos in the beginning to learn the mechanics of manifestation. She gives you a lot of examples. She plays into some of the Joe Dispenza science in there. They actually bring in a neuroscientist, Dr. Tara Stewart. She comes in there, breaks down some of the science as well. So it kind of gives you a little education on it to get your conscious mind on board. Because we got we to gotta clear out anything blocking that conscious mind. Enroll mind. Yeah, exactly. It's just altering your experience and you're just kind of hindering yourself if you don't. And then we go into deep meditative state. So essentially what I was doing every day is I would put on my headphones and it's this like 20 minute meditation in the beginning and throughout it, it has like binaural beats that help you get into a theta brainwave state. So when you're in theta, it is a lot easier to reprogram your subconscious mind. So to take a step back, for example, When you are young, ages zero to seven, we do not yet have critical thinking skills and we operate majority of the time in a theta brainwave state. So that's why when you're like, when you're younger, everything's so much more dramatic, right? Like you spill your coffee, it's like, ah, you know? And the thing is what a lot of people don't realize is you are forming your core beliefs at that age and you don't have those critical thinking skills. So for example, you know, maybe your mom's having a bad day. She spilled her coffee. This happened, that happened. And then, you know, you drop something and she snaps at you. 
you're sitting there taking that as like, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person. If I drop something, it's very, very bad, you know? But in reality, you're not like, oh, you know, she had a bad day. She spilled her coffee. She, yeah, she's having a rough time over there. Let's, let's let that one slide. You're not thinking like that because you don't have that ability as a kid. So that creates some kind of neural pattern, right? It's a neural pathway. And then like different things you will call into your reality to confirm your neural pathways. And then that projects out into the life you create. So, so much goes down between zero to 14 roughly, but really zero to seven because you're operating in theta. So what we do in these meditations is we bring ourselves into theta through this meditative state where you're able to pull up these memories. You'll have things that come up that like I literally forgot happened, like have not thought of in so many years. And she'll say a prompt while you're in a meditative state. You got the memory dropped down and it's like, okay, give your inner child what it needed at that time to then go in and reprogram the memory. So whether, you know, you're scared or this, and then you essentially create like your magnetic parents. So you create this like alternate version of your parents or whatever you needed at the time. It could be your parents that you had just doing something different to nurture your inner child. I actually reparented myself. So I had like Mm -hmm. the older version of myself reparenting the younger version of myself. And Going into that, basically what happens is you reprogram that memory by envisioning another version of what could have happened at that time. And you do it over and over. So for the inner child one, they recommend you do, I believe, six to eight times each different stage of inner child. So like it starts off, there's like zero to two, two to four, you know, and you go through the age ranges and you do all the age ranges once. I remember this. And it's like, whichever one stuck out to you the most, do that one, you know, like six to eight times. And I had four out of the five stick out to me. So I built a little chart. And I did 40 iterations. You could do them, I think, up to like six hours apart. So I was doing twice a day to kind of just get out of inner child land. And so I was going like morning, night, morning, night, just popping on the headphones, reprogram, reprogram, reprogram. And then you do this whole section two of like shadow work where you're able to envision the darkest, like worst version of yourself and then essentially learn how to love that version of yourself and merge into it. For example, I had a lot of acne growing up and it was something I was always trying to hide. And it kind of ties into, I think it projected as like a manifestation of like trying to hide myself. So I was always like wearing all this makeup, trying to hide my face, right? And then it got to the point where I was just talking about it to people because I pulled out the power that the shadow had over me when I bridged it into my current reality. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. That happened. Yeah. You know, and then that actually cleared it up. So it's one of those things where like when you're able to bridge with your shadow and accept those versions of yourself, it removes the power that has over you. So that was another like really powerful practice with it that I did. And there's so many other different modalities, right? Depending on what you're working on. Like if you're calling in, you know, a job, if you're calling in money, if you're calling in love, if you're calling, there's all different things where you can kind of go down different rabbit holes to reprogram from that lens of all different memories that you have that are creating a reality. Because a lot of people too, just don't understand how much of an impact that inner child stuff can have. Mm -hmm. And just on the current thought frequency running through our mind, right? And then the third thing I was doing was the kundalini yoga, which for me, that is like my everyday practice. That is essentially tuning your antenna of your crown chakra to the energy that you want. So for example, like I have certain practices where like, there is one called fist of anger that you do and it's three minutes. And if anything ever pisses me off, I have the tool now where I go into a back room and you do this like O-shaped mouth breathing and this arm movement, it's called fist of anger. And in three minutes, I am so 
calm. And I'm like, whoa. And I think a big part of it too, is like understanding that life happens and these are tools. So like, there are like, I don't like ever sit and like grovel in victimhood anymore because I'm like, yo, I got tools for this shit. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, sit here and like be upset. Like I'm gonna, you know, feel through your emotions, cry out whatever you need. Don't let things get held in your field. That's another big thing I learned. If you feel like you have to cry, cry, let that shit out. So it does not get stored in the body. You don't want the emotional trauma stored in the body. And then I just meditate and move on. And I like, I think a big part of it too, is like with the Kundalini yoga practice, for me, that is how I was able to get into meditating because you are doing a lot of things at once. So it's not just like sit down, clear your mind, you know, it is like breath work. So you're doing some type of specific breath. Typically you have your eyes in a certain gaze. Like for example, the first one I ever started doing was this prosperity meditation, which I still do every day. And I don't know if that's tied to the prosperity we brought in, but I I tune up to that frequency. I put on that channel every day and it's, you're doing a hand movement. You have a particular eye gaze. You're doing a certain breath and you are chanting a mantra. If you're trying to focus on, I'm like, okay, I got to chant this mantra, breathe this way, do this thing. It's a lot easier for me to tap out of my current normal thought streams that are just like chattering on because I, I have a very active brain. So it's always, it's always trying to chat with me. I'm a big planner. I'm always do, 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 do. I'm like a very much a manager mind. And so for me, I give myself those three minutes or whatever it is. Typically, the meditations are three, 11 or 31 minutes. And a lot of the ones I do are just three minutes. So I go in, I do my three minute meditation and that gives my brain the time to tap out and then tune into the different frequency that I want. We basically, we view Kundalini Yoga as a technology. So it's a technology to be able to go in and tune your aura, tune your field, make it bigger, make it clearer and do these different things. It is a very esoteric practice. However, there is a lot of science that backs it too. Like there's all different experiments that have been done on, you know, different people. Like there's examples too of how like mantra can help with autism and like they've done experiments like playing it around kids who have autism and like how playing the healing gong or the gong can break up your different brainwave patterns so i typically i was sleeping with the gong playing super low that's like breaking your patterns there's so many ways too that you can like take these things and kind of slip them into your day to day. Like I have a mantra box playing next to my money tree and helping that grow. You know, you can play it next to your water to restructure your water. If you ever go down the water rabbit hole, anybody, you know, I've gone down the whole water rabbit hole and like playing mantra to like restructure your water. And like, there's just so many things you could do with it. But for me, kind of understanding that technology of Kundalini yoga, and then just like you know, seeing how it worked in my day-to-day life was really like a big part of why I stuck with it too. And it was like an easy practice. I'm like three minutes a day. My best friend teaches it. If anybody on here is interested, I could give you the link to that choices and outcomes where I meditate now. This is the best part. I meditate every morning for 20 minutes with myself, my boyfriend, my dad got super into it. So now my dad does it like three times a day. The man, he like did a 180 on his life overall. And it's been incredible for our relationship, but he, we meditate every day. And now my mom's in there too. So I wake up every morning, I'm meditating virtually with my parents. There's a lot of the Mystic Cell following is in there now as well. So we got like my, my, my team, the community, my parents, my boyfriend, we all do this practice together though. And it definitely... It's, you know, Kundalini yoga is the yoga of awareness. So it really helps you be able to like kind of look at a person 
and understand what's going on or walk into a room and understand it. And it also makes you more and more sensitive, which is something I've been working on as well. Like I, you know, I was having a little trouble and this is where I think the anxiety flared up for a minute where I was walking into restaurants and I could feel other people's stuff and I can I remember sitting down with Mike freaking out. I'm like, I hear everyone. And he's like, what? I'm like, they're so loud. And that was something where too, then I had to kind of like work out the kinks with myself. And I'm like, okay, like this is how we can protect our energy. And this is how, you know, you can walk into spaces and like doing things because you become more and more sensitive. And then also like, depending on, you know, there's the different Claire's like the clairvoyance, clairaudient, like all of a sudden I was able to start like hearing more things. And like, the more you do these types of practices, the more it's opening up neural pathways, because, you know, we don't use the majority of our brain and most people don't know what the majority of our brain does. Right. But the more Kundalini yoga that I do and like the people that I practice with, the more you kind of unlock different parts of your brain. And then these abilities come through where like, I'm doing this meditation every night. It's 11 minutes. It's like this little chanting meditation. Pretty much every night I get a creative download and then I write it down on my phone. You know, so it's like, but for some people, they'll look at Kundalini yoga and be like, that looks wild. I'm never doing that. And that's totally okay. Right. So it's one of those things too, where it's like finding what works for you and like what you latch onto. For me though, it really spoke to me. So that's something I've like carried through and it spoke to my family too. You are on fucking fire cat. And <laughs> let's, let's just keep rolling. I, so I, I wrote down, I wanted to get to your core beliefs and ways that you program new beliefs. And I'm, I'm interested in money. Yeah. Let's just start there because like for an example, I don't know what the exact statistic is, but there is a very large percentage of lottery winners that revert right back to oh, yeah. the money that they had before they won the lottery. And the same is true of, let's just say professional athletes who, if they came from a place of poverty, they make a lot of money, have developed no new beliefs, probably no new habits, and the money seemingly evaporates. So I don't know what your money financial situation was before. I'm guessing there was some level of scarcity around money. So if we just focus on that, what were some of the core beliefs that you had around money? And what are some of the new beliefs that helped you open up to the possibility of having a seven plus figure business in the first place? Yeah, I had a lot of reprogramming to do in that section. So did not grow up with a lot of money, especially around the time I got to like high school, college, I was pretty much on my own financially. And so I was working a lot during high school. And then I got to college and had a ton of student debt. So I paid my way through college and my MBA program. And it was one of those things where I remember like certain points in college, like my friends were all going to Starbucks, and I literally couldn't afford the cup of coffee. And I was like, I, you know, I can't get Starbucks. And that was one of those things where like I had, you know, I mean, granted they were valid at the time. Like I did have actual scarcity in my life, but that was something I also had to go in and work through because scarcity is also a mindset. And I think a lot of it is generational depending on who programmed you and where those programs started and who programmed them and so on. So like, I know a lot of the boomer generation, like my parents, for example, like my mom more in particular, still has, we work through this together, a lot of scarcity. So it's very much like, oh, don't spend that on that. Like, don't, don't buy that. And she still tries to come at me with it sometimes. And I'm like, mom. And luckily I'm still like firm in my money beliefs now that I'm starting to try to like reverse program her scarcity limits. You know, like I, I fly her out first class to come see me and she has so much shame and like guilt about that. And I'm like, mom, 
Like, I, I want you to have a lovely experience. Like, it's not a big deal to me, like, except, you know, and I, I recently retired my mom and like, that was something she had to like mentally work through. Right. And like, so this is something too, where like a lot of times when you're, you heal yourself of these like money wounds or whatever type of like energetic wound it is, they always say this too, you heal generations forward. And you heal mm-hmm. generations backwards because then you're not projecting that on future generations. And then also it helps heal your parents. Like when I built this business, my family life, like 10 X in the positive direction through like so many different ways. And really like they started manifesting more money. Like so many things started happening once I kind of healed this and started projecting a different frequency as did my parents. So that's something where I definitely had, especially on my mom's side, and we, we joke about it now because she knows it. And <laughs> but we there's there's a lot of scarcity written in there where she's always like, Kathleen, like keep your feet on the ground. Like, how much did you spend on crystals? Like, you know, like it's <laughs> I have a crystal dealer in Sedona. And but like it's on gym show, hey. <laughs> but there's just a lot going on. And so for me, I think it just kind of happened as a byproduct of reprogramming a lot of my childhood. A lot of that dropped off. And it's interesting though, on my dad's side, I just remember him always saying when I was younger, because my dad is like fluctuated with money. And he, I remember him being like, like money's not a big deal. I just want more of it. You know, like he always kind of had this like, yeah, like money, money. And, but my mom was more like, like the the scarcity, like hold it, you know? And so that was something I definitely had to work through. I think through a lot of the reprogramming, it kind of just happened. And I think a cool part of it too, which I recommend to people if they're starting a business is not going into it through the lens of like, this is going to pull me out of my day job and I need this thing to work. Mm -hmm. I went into this with zero attachment, which I think is energetically a big part of why it scaled so quickly. I was comfortable at my day job. Yeah, I was living in my parents' house and all my money went to my student loans. But, you know, I I had a roof over my head. I was feeding myself. I was having a good time. And so I kind of went into it as like, okay, I'm supported, right? Like I was going to a place where sometimes, you know, they recommend if you're starting a business to have like a bridge job to like remove any scarcity that might be projecting onto your new business, right? So I still had my day job. I wasn't really thinking about money. I'm like, I'm comfortable, you know, but I'm going to create something else. And I just kind of had no expectation around it. I was like, this is fun. This is my creative expression. This is going to help people. And really going from that mindset of, I don't need this to make me money is what made it make so much money because Mm -hmm. I just wasn't projecting any scarcity on it. So there's like a whole aspect too of like the universal laws and like the laws of polarity, the laws of magnetism, right? And like, those are things I like try to play into as well. And really the magnetism of like looking at it and just being like, all right, I'm going to place this here. And then I don't give a fuck. And I'm just going to like do my thing over here. That is what really helped it kind of turn into this like, energetic vortex of attracting money like the business got to this point where it literally just prints money like it's a mostly passive income business and the more i work on me the more the business grows like we're this like connected entity so like it it got to this point where like i started kind of studying it too and trying to like reverse engineer it a little bit because like a big part of what i feel too has helped the business grow is like my geographic location, whether it's the actual geographic location of the business or the geographic location of me and how that affects me in my field, which affects the business, not sure okay. which, but for example, so I was a digital nomad for 16 months when I first started the business. 
So starting around October 2020, I started renting a house in a different place every month. So I first place, I was super called to Sedona, Arizona, which is if anyone hasn't been there before, it is this beautiful red rock place. A lot of people go there on vacation and a lot of people go there though too for spiritual purposes. So it is an energy vortex. There are tons of energy vortexes here. There's four main ones. And then there's tons of little ones everywhere. My house is actually on one. So we have like the twisted tree. That's usually how you could tell when the trees grow all twisted and stuff that you're in it. Because literally like, if you think about it too, right? If we if we back up, if people are like vortexes, what are you saying right now, Kat? So think about the gravitational pull of the moon on the ocean, right? So the gravitational pull of the moon makes the waves in the ocean. We are mostly water. So the moon also has an effect on us. And that goes into all, you know, the studies of the moon. Like my dad used to call me literally every time when I was in college, especially like, like, dude, it's full moon. Watch your shit, man. Like it's full moon. I'm like, okay, dad, you know, cause like things happen. And typically people's blood pressure will actually be like a little bit higher. A lot of times there's more like babies born during it. Like if you talk to people that work at hospitals. So like there's this like gravitational force going on like with the moon. So similar effects with vortexes on the planet. There's certain places on the planet. People have measured them with all different devices where the energy is just like whipping and stronger. And typically there are two types of vortexes. There are ones that go up and then there are ones that go down. The ones that go up are better for manifestation. The ones that go down are better for doing like shadow work, healing work, things like that. Sedona has a couple of ups, a couple of downs, a bunch in between. Some actually do both. And for me, I really gravitate towards the up ones. And, but I've been in other places, like when I, I lived in Hawaii for a couple months and it was a feminine energy, like downward vortex. I was crying like every day and like my life's pretty good. And I was just like going through it for some reason. And I saw that reflection in the business, in sales. And then I'd come back to Sedona and literally even now on the car ride or on the flight, when my body knows it's coming back to Sedona, I have massive deals in my inbox. Like things just come out of left field, massive press opportunities, massive corporate deals. Like it, it, it's like hilarious now that we do it. Cause like I jump in and out of the vortex a lot. And I'll literally, when I'm here, huge things happen. So then at this point I'm spending 16 months traveling. I lived in like Miami, Austin, Texas, San Diego, Hawaii, Scottsdale, all over the place. And everywhere I go, I'm kind of like watching the business. I'm watching my mood, my vibe, what's going on. And everywhere I went, I'd compare it back to Sedona. And I was like, it's not Sedona. It's not Sedona. And every time I come back here, the business would just grow and flow so easily. And then I started researching it more and like talking to people. And a lot of people in the entrepreneurial space will actually physically fly here to do their launches because the launches do better in the vortexes. So at this one, I'm like, this is where your girls got to live. Like I, and it's also, it's interesting if you ever dive into a uh, astro cartography, which takes a look at your birth chart and your natal chart and overlays it with the planet and like where your planets lay and like where you're meant to live in things. I'm actually really close to my Pluto line, which most people would say like, you don't want to live on your Pluto line. It's like a very like intense life. Like Pluto is the planet of like birth and death. Like it's just like very intense. And, but for me though, like I, I have Scorpio moon, a lot of my chart is around like me living my best life in Pluto. So for example, like when I come here, I just live a very intense life in Sedona, but I just do a lot of energy work where I stay on the positive side of that polarity 99% of the time. So for me, like it's intense in a great way. And I wake up every day, just like so 
happy here and like so full of joy. Like I literally cry because I like look out the window. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I live here, you know? And like, it's like, I, you know, this is the way I look at all this stuff too. If you're sitting here right now and you're just like, cat, what's going on here? If I just take a step back, I'm like, yeah, I came to this planet to fuck shit up in the best possible way. Right. (laughs) And that's what I always take a step back and look at. We dropped out on this planet, wherever we all came from. And you look at this shit and you're like, yeah, I came here to fuck shit up. Like, we're going to go wherever we go after, right? I want to look back and be like, I did everything I wanted to do. And I lived my life to the fullest. And I did all the things. Like, I'm not here to play small. And if you take a step back and look at that, be like, you ask yourself, am I here to live like a mundane, smaller life? Or am I here to live a big life? And what can I do to live that big life, right? And like, for me, I was like, I got to live where the energy's at. I got to live in Sedona, you know? And like, that's kind of the way I look at it. Like I always, if I'm ever down, I'm just like, I came here to fuck shit up. came here to fuck shit up. (laughs) It comes back to that. Where do you feel most unfinished in your life like you've named at one point you named the inner work just it goes and it goes it never stops I in my experience it will never stop too there's always next levels and where do you feel most unfinished currently in your life yes this is a good one so this is something where it became super clear to me I just turned 30 and like I was reflecting on the last year and I think at age 28 27 28 when I made business I was pushing myself out of my comfort zone I was posting on TikTok I was doing all things right 29, I feel like I was very much in my comfort zone. Yes, the business did incredibly well, but I was like behind a camera. I wasn't really doing things that scared me. And I was like, what scares me? And then I attracted in this really big keynote opportunity at like the largest social media conference. And I was like, hmm, this seems scary. And I was like, I remember when I first got the email, I was like, I can't do that. And then I was like, yes, you can. And so like, I'm like, I'm just gonna say yes. And then now like it's coming to a comfort level where I'm like, oh yeah, I could totally do that. The interesting part is I think a lot of it really comes back to like, once you've done a lot of the inner child work, you're able to kind of see like where the destiny path lies. So for example, typically when you're young and you're a child, the aspirations that you have, yeah, you might put like a different name to it, you know, but like a lot of times that aspiration that you have is authentically what your soul wants on the planet. But then we have a bunch of conditioning and layering, and then we end up on another path, you know, and I'll never forget kindergarten yearbook. I wrote that I wanted to be a rock star. And I don't think it was about the singing, but I think it was about being the one on the stage, right? I was obsessed with concerts. I was always going with my dad. My dad took me to my first concert when I was like six years old. And I would always look at the person on the stage and be like, I want to be the one on the stage, right? But then I went through, you know, layers of anxiety, conditioning, ends up hiding myself all throughout my life. And I probably would have kept going down that path to the rest of eternity and just lived like a mundane life. And then I went in and reprogrammed that shit and was like, oh, like you want to be on the stage, like on this, in this lifetime. So I built essentially a stage for myself on a social media perspective, right? And like attracted in millions of people to come watch the show. And then I think a big part of it too, is when I do the speaking engagement and feel myself on a physical stage, like doing the damn thing, I'm going to have some kind of like soul clicking in moment where like, this is the next thing. And that's something that I've been working on is like, Still, it's always like, it's easy for me now to be seen on social media. It's easy for me to be seen in the press. It's easy for me to be seen behind a camera screen, you know, but like being in person and like pushing myself to that next level. And actually, because I become more and more sensitive to like feeling other people's energy and like running around on a stage, like that's my next up level 
And that's what I'm working on. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do things that align with this, right? So like, for example, in a couple of weeks, I'm speaking at my friend's mastermind in Sedona and she's bringing me in as a speaker, like in person. And then I actually joined like a high level mastermind that travels around the globe with each other like three times a year. So I'm going to like meet 30 other seven figure business entrepreneurs, talk about my business, be up with them. You know, like that was something too, that like pushed me out of my comfort zone. Cause like can turn a little bit hermity when you're living up in the mountains, you know? So I'm like, I need to like, make these opportunities for myself and then let the universe give me the opportunities, right. To go out and be that higher version of me. So like that, like the keynote speaking space is another like big one. And then also what's going to happen is over the next, you know, few months, I'm going to come out with things more in the spiritual space. It's something that I've seen already. I know it's coming, but I also don't want to bite off more than I can chew because Mystic Cell is like crushing it, but we're like tinkering it right now and just making it this well-oiled machine. So like once it's at that spot where I'm like, it's lined up, it's doing its thing. Then I'm going to build out more stuff in the entrepreneurial space, the spiritual space, all these different aspects. Cause I do feel like the stuff we're talking about right now is what I truly, truly love. Like I love Excel, but I also love this. And I think this is really life-changing work. So um, that's something too. That's like future, future stay working towards, you know? Mm, yeah. I look forward to that whenever you do launch with that. I'd be curious to hear if, you ever do you look at the negative comments that you get about yourself sometimes? And what would be like, I, I think I can go there with you. I wouldn't normally ask this to yeah. another person, but what's like the harshest thing that someone could say that would really poke at your wound? And how yeah. would you, how would you like sit with that and be able to, I really, I share the aspiration to give a Ted talk, to be in front of a large audience, to have a really large following. And I also, there are many parts of me that are still, that hermit, that fragile, tender guy that doesn't want to be poked at in any way. And I've done a lot of inner work and I know that I could resource myself and I'm resilient enough to handle it. But I'd be curious to hear if, you know, what would be the harshest thing that someone could say to you and how do you just click right out of that? <laughs> I've got the technique. So this is one of the favorite lessons that I've learned recently. And just first an overall note is anyone looking to get into social media and put yourself out there, I highly recommend having some kind of inner work practice before you post yourself dancing on the internet to the left function or something like that, right? Because like zero shot one, I would have never done it in the first place. But two, there's always polarity on the planet, right? Like no matter what you're doing, you're going to trigger somebody because really it's all about their inner shit and the way that they're looking at you and then they project it onto you, right? Like they're going to tell the story about your life to themselves that they want to believe based on their current reality, right? So this is the great example of how I look at things. Imagine I turned to you and I was like, Mike, you're a blue frog. Would you sit here and be like, oh, she called me a blue frog. Oh, oh my gosh. deepest fear. I'm not gonna my sleep fear. Tonight. I can't believe yeah. you just called me that. Yeah, my core frog. wound. Right? Like, no, because you would look at that. You'd be like, all right, lady, like, have a good day. You know, because you deeply know that you are absolutely not a blue frog, right? So for me, I was like, okay, I need to get all this shit to a place where it's blue frog, right? Where it's not going to come in and affect me. So basically what happened is when I first started the business, I would get a lot of comments like, stop dancing. And it's from like Joe with 12 followers. And like, okay, Joe, tell me how to live my life. You know, like I was able to view it from a lens of like, okay, like this person doesn't have a following. They don't do well. And I wouldn't take advice from them, which is also a really good piece of advice. 
I never take advice from someone who I wouldn't trade places with in that area. You be respectful. You respect their opinion. You say thank you. You walk away. There's people, as the bigger you grow, who are going to try to project, you should do this. You should do that. You Have you ever had a business? You know, like most of them will just try to project different things on you. Like, but I do not take advice from anyone who I wouldn't trade places with in that area. So I look at Joe with 12 followers and I'm like, okay, Joe, like I'm doing me over here. It's working great. So I think a big part of it too is like coming from the place of like, who's the one trying to tell you this shit, right? Like, would you actually take advice? And that helps like neutralize a lot of it. And I remember for me, like going through where different things would happen and a big part of it, like one that I had that came up was something that like someone said something was in like poor taste or something that I did. And I felt like I insulted someone. And for me, that brought up like a wound of like, okay, like I, I'm a people pleaser still. Like there's something in there that's like, I don't want to piss somebody off. And that was something where it's amazing when you get triggered by things because that is your teacher. That shows you, okay, that's what I get to go work on. And so, especially right when I was first starting, we were kind of like cleaning it up a little bit. Like I'd have little things pop up here and there. And I'm like, ooh, do I actually feel something right now? <laughs> You're like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Bless you, human. And I would go and get to like work on whatever that is, right? And like, I think a big part of it too is like not feeding into the negative energy. Like a lot of people, like if there's any comments on my stuff, like I just don't respond to dark shit because I don't want to propel that in my life. You know what I mean? And then also a really fun exercise that you can do if you're on social media is there is the ability in Instagram to block certain words from coming up in your comments. Mm -hmm. And it's a great self-reflection exercise to see what words you decided to block from yourself because that's where we get to go in and do the work on ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And like see those trigger words and then clear that stuff out. Because I think the more and more you do it and the more you clear the stuff out, like there's really not much someone could say to me at this point that would like, but there's really nothing anyone could say to me at this point that would like pull me off my destiny path. You know what I mean? Like I just, one, we have the tools to clear it out, but then two, like I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. I know my purpose on the planet and I'm on my path. You know what I mean? And like, that's the type of thing where like, it just took over and over. Like I basically did it very quickly because I had a lot of people look at me very quickly. So it was one of those things where it's just like, you jump, I jump right in the fire, really. You know, I get like thousands of bad comments. But the thing is too, like, I don't harp on them and I don't read them. So a lot of times too, like I have articles just like, it's it's actually like impossible for me to read all of them. Because like, for example, like I have like the CNBC article goes viral on like Facebook. It goes viral on everybody's news apps. Like I can't sit mm -hmm. there and read through all that shit. And I just like don't care to, because I also view it as like, 99.9% .9 of the opinions on it are not from people I would trade places with, mm -hmm. you know, like mo if you're sitting there writing dark shit on my post, like instead of focusing on your own life and trying to bring me down from my life, like chances are, I wouldn't look to you for advice, you know? So I kind of view it from that lens too. Like, and I just bless those people, right? Because I've been in a dark place before. I know what that shit's like. And like the fact that someone feel so poorly about themselves and like has this story about my life that they feel the need to try to bring someone else down. They need the blessings. They need the mantra. They need the meditation, right? So I just try to like, like bless you. You know, like if I get like, I get crazy emails sometimes. I'm just like, 
send this person so much love and healing because they need it, you know, and just kind of let them, let them roll off. Cause that's a thing too. Like you look at it with like celebrities, you look at it with like high level CEOs, like they're getting shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Like they're all over the news. Like you look at like the Kardashians, right? Like some people know how to play the polarity as well. So like there's people like the Kardashians, for example, they're always in the media, good or bad, but they're able to play the polarity and not let it jack them up. So like the bigger you get, the more eyeballs you have on you, the more you get to kind of like play in the polarity. And I just kind of view it as too like, I understand that, you know, not everybody agrees with what I do. And I understand that making money triggers people, you know, and, but am I going to stop? No. Am I going to stop helping people? No. Am I going to stop dancing? No, you know, so it's one of those things where you also look at it as like, what's important to you? Is it making all the randos on the internet happy who are are not going to be happy no matter what you do because they don't like you? Or is it, you know, all the people that love you? Like I have a folder of just like thousands of testimonials. If I ever get sad, I look at it and these people are like, you changed my life. That's the shit I read. Yeah. It brings up an interesting insight for me in this moment too, is that I'm Personally, I'm way less likely to be reactive to what a stranger would say to me. And I'm actually way more likely to get reactive if, say, Ari or one of my parents doesn't meet a need that I'm wanting or a want that I have in the moment. And that is also a good invitation to do the inner work there. It's like, what what just happened in me when Ari responded this way or when my mom responded this way? And it's actually... You're playing with a little more of a stoked fire (laughs) when you get into closer relationships than when you look at a stranger. So I imagine it's actually much easier to deal with, uh, you know, Joe with 12 followers who's commenting. And it's like that. He doesn't even know who I am. But yeah, someone like your parents who've known you your whole life. They've also there's the added layer of they know what you were like before you did any work also. And I'm, I'm in touch with just how courageous you must have been to start doing the inner work, literally doing your inner child work in the bedroom <laughs> that you grew up in. Like that just must have been such a wild ride and a rush of different emotions and grief and anger and what the fuck and just like throwing yourself everywhere. And I just I haven't seen that many other people with that level of commitment that only three years ago, less than three years ago, this was still in the incubator phase of just like, I'm going to start making the commitment. It's really a testament to what's possible also when you go into something with an open, unattached energy. And I also wanted to underline that it's been really helpful for me. And I think that it could use more airtime in the entrepreneurship space is that if you go in with the energy of, I don't need this to make money, however you need to arrange your life for that to be the case. So for me, it's with part-time accounting work at the moment. It looks different for every single person. But if you take the venture and really release, like, I do not need this to make money and also create the belief of, but I deserve to have lots of money and to have that prosperity and abundance, it is a, a powerful combination like really potent to be able to pull both of those levers at the same time and it's something that is it's a tough dance but you've named polarity multiple times in this conversation and to be able to hold both is like bombs are exploding everywhere 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of comes with the territory too, right? We're always learning as we go. And I love what you said too about like people's close to you's voice, how that does like hit different is like, for example, like your mother's voice is one of the most powerful voices. Like this, one of the like yogic things, like yogic science that they teach, like your mother's voice is literally like one of the most powerful voices in your life. And like, that's something I always work through with my mom. And like, we laugh about it. She knows it, but I'm like, I'm not taking your financial advice, lady. Like you're coming from, I, I, she laughs. I'm like, mom, (laughs) you know, like, and we've got to this point in our relationship where like, you know, the scarcity protected me for a little bit. Right. Like when I was younger, like I couldn't go blowing my like student loan money on stupid shit, (laughs) you know, like I, I had to live like that, but like, I don't need that protection anymore right like i i'm out here like doing my thing and like the more like money we attract and like i'm always i joke with them like how much money do i need to make for you to calm down you know but like that's stuff that's like rooted in her right and i'm able to understand through to the awareness that like okay this is the way she was programmed you know and like this is one of those things where like when you're programmed like that like i get to you know kind of coach her through the process of working through these different things and then same thing with our partners as well like for example this is a really cool thing like Mike and I both did the inner work at the same time, which ended up being insanely good for our relationship. Like, for example, so I had started kind of going down the rabbit hole. I'm like chanting in my room, doing weird shit, you know, <laughs> and he's kind of like, what you doing? And, you know, like he started seeing all this good stuff started happening to me. So he was like, okay, I'll try. And then we started, you know, practicing together. And then he started doing the subconscious reprogramming work that I was doing. And it was interesting the way we did it for him. Cause I was still doing it too. We would both like put on our headphones, go through this stuff. And then in, you're supposed to like journal after, which is what I did. Cause I was kind of doing it by myself at first. And for him, instead of journaling, he would talk through it with me. Now I would help him analyze things. Cause I knew a lot of aspects of his life too. So then it kind of created this relationship between the two of us where like, if he ever does something that I know is out of energetic alignment for him, and that's kind of how I view it. Like he never pisses me off. Like he just does things like if he does something that I know isn't his highest self, I'm able to kind of step back and be like, okay, that's because when he was little, I know that this, and like, I know his patterns. So it creates this layer of empathy where I like understand how he's wired. So if he's doing something and then I'm able to kind of guide him in the right direction, right? And just kind of be like, okay, and he does the same for me. So like we both really just hold each other at like this higher version of ourselves frequency. Like I I don't view him where he's at. I view him where he's going. And like, I always just held this vision from him. I'm like, I know who you're about to be like, and we're just going to keep aligning ourselves to that. And like, I think a big part of it too, though, is having the empathy. So like the mundane doesn't get in the way, you know, of like, if he does something that's out of alignment, I'm like, all right, well, let's get, let's get you back in alignment. Like you're feeling something right now. Like this is because of this. And like, let's work through that. And like, you know, like kind of just like always holding each other to the higher standards. And same thing with me. Like if I start having like a panic attack at a restaurant, we know where this shit came from, you know, and then we're able to kind of like work through and he can like ground me. So I think like relationship wise too, it's something I always recommend doing like some kind of inner work together. Cause it helps you really understand the other person in a way. Like I didn't understand them like that on the surface. Like you don't really know someone's inner child and subconscious, like just meeting them, you know? So like once you start getting into that shit, you're like, Oh, and it really just helps you understand their whole family too. Like I understand 
everything. And then it kind of helps things not trigger you when you see things, when you understand how people work and where they came from and where their programming came from. Because we're all just walking around as these programmed human beings running on our subconscious, which is then projecting our reality, right? What people don't realize is you can control the machine. You can change the subconscious that's projecting yourself. And people just walk through life kind of as like robots with your subconscious doing like 99% of what you're doing, right? And like people just go through their whole life like, yeah, work is hard. Money's hard. And, you know, they just have like all these programs and they don't realize you can reprogram the shit and create the life you want. So that's kind of where I try to project out my story. And I'm like, yo, I did not grow up like this. I did not come from money. I did, you know, and I went in and reprogrammed this shit and then created the life that I wanted. So that's really where I get super lit up about it too. Like how much this work could really help people. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that's tied to your purpose? You said you're, you're pretty clear on what your purpose is. Do you yeah. have a, is it distilled down to something really simple, one line or yeah. is it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm here to just light up as many people as I can on the planet. Mm -hmm. And for me, helping people get to their highest selves came first in the form of Microsoft Excel. Because the thing about Microsoft Excel is when you know how to use it efficiently, you can save hours in your week. And those hours, people can spend doing what they love in life. Mm -hmm. So that was my easy way of taking something I was good at to help uplift people, right? Because then they're showing up to work more confident. They feel better about themselves. They're getting promotions. They're getting raises. They're focusing on what they love most. So I'm like, okay, at a ground level, this is a program that so many people use. I can help tons of people around the world, right? And kind of built something. And then now I get, you know, every day I have people reaching out being like, hey, can you mentor me? Can you coach me? Can we do that? And like, I want to build something now where if there's people who are sitting there like, okay, like I know there's something greater for me. I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to unblock this. Like I do this with my friends all the time, which like all the, like people who hang out with me a lot end up quitting their jobs. I've had like four or five of my friends quit their jobs. Like it's just one of those things because I can sit with you and help you clear out the things that are holding you back. Like if one of my friends, like a bunch of my friends have their own businesses now and like they feel stuck. I'm like, call me. And I'm like, what's blocking you now? And we're like, Phew. And we just like clear the stuff out. So then you're like, all right, I'm fresh. I'm back in and like jump back in the game. You know, it's all a game. You're just jumping in and out of the game. But really like people don't know how to play the game. Once you know how to play the game, which all the tools are at our disposal to learn how to play the game. And a lot of times too, like a lot of stuff I'm saying, if you're sitting there right now and you're like, Kat, this is great. Like it worked for you, but I'm not like that. I can't do that. Right. Like a big part of it is like kind of educating your own conscious mind on how it works. If you're interested, you know, if you're like, maybe, you know, I'll look into this. Like there's so many resources that like, hopefully one of them, like you'll feel good about, you know, and then that can like totally unlock so many different things for you instead of just like playing the narrative of like, this is my life. And you know, this is how it has to be. Cause I was like that my whole life until I started looking into this stuff. And I was like, wait, I could actually do what I want to do. Create my own reality, create financial abundance, create you know, the life I wanted. You're here. I love all of that. Okay. Well, I just have a few more questions for yeah. you, Kat. I would love to hear, we've talked a lot about energetics and there's other elements of energetics that we haven't really discussed. I'm certainly fascinated by nutrition. If there's other forms of breath work, maybe that you do other movement, anything at all, it doesn't have to include any of those, but is there anything around energetics that you also feel would be useful as, as we start to move towards the back end of the conversation? Yeah. I mean, just overall, like a quick touch on nutrition. So I, at this point, I'd say I do intuitive eating. I was vegan for a couple of years, which I, you know, I felt really good. 
And more recently, though, then I was like going to Italy and like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat the cheese, you know, and then it kind of like I went to Nashville, I had the chicken, you know, and so I kind of just go through a place where I like I eat what feels good for my body at the time. And I think a big part of like all of this is learning how to talk to your body and be like, do you want this or not? You know, like kind of going through and be like, all right, does this feel good or not? You know, because there's so many different narratives like pro-vegan, anti-vegan, pro-meat, anti-meat, you know, all the eat eggs, don't eat eggs, you know. So and I understand that there's a lot of agendas behind a lot of these things, you know, depending on who paid for the ad. So for me, I kind of go through it as like, what feels good? We all and it's different for every person, too. I think that's the underlying answer. Everybody is different. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what feels good for your machine? Like, what are we putting in the machine to run the machine? Right. And so for me, like, I'm like, okay, like what makes me feel good? I eat mostly plant-based. I eat a little bit of meat, a little bit of fish. You know, I kind of just have like balance it out and eat what feels good at the time. Like that changes over time too. I kind of just learned to listen to my body with that stuff. Same thing with like working out. Like I didn't work out my whole life, really like dance around in college. That was about it. And by the time I like, you know, got older, Mike is really regimented with working out. And that was something I would always see. Like if he didn't work out, he would get like antsy. And I was like, wow, I wish I kind of like had a practice like that where like I was so diligent, you know, and I knew for me, like I wasn't actually getting up and going to the gym. So I hired a trainer. She comes to my house three days a week and kicks my ass downstairs. And like, that's what I need. I need someone like standing over me being like, you're going to work out now, you know, because I know I can live my life without it because I've metabolism but like it's one of those things where like i want to like up level and then working out just has so many like great effects on the body too like i feel so good after and all the chemical hormones that are released you know um so like working out is really good i do a lot of breath work in terms of the kundalini yoga i do like breath of fire typically every day like i use it as a tool if i need to like bring energy to something like if i feel tired i do breath of fire which is like equals inhales and exhales it doesn't really matter the speed you do it's just equal inhale exhale on both sides i do that and yeah it's really for me it's it's more of like a lifestyle like i just wake up every day and kind of do what feels right if I wake up and I'm like, I need to go stand on the deck and stare at the mountains for 30 minutes, I do it. You know, if I wake up and I'm like, I need to work out, I do it. You know, like it's it's one of those things where like, I'm like, we have like a menu of assortments of things we could do for ourselves. <laughs> like, what, what would we like today? And I kind of just build my life around that. And that's really how I built the business too. Like, I didn't want to build something that put me back in my nine to five. Like, I didn't want to build something where I'd be like stressed or like working 50 hours a week, like send you know, what's the point? Like I wanted to build something that was conducive to my lifestyle. And then whenever the business would grow bigger and it would start like pushing my lifestyle. For example, I have 15,000 course students. I was doing customer service for all of them myself. Mm -hmm. So I was spending three hours a day answering every Excel question my students had. And it got to this point where I was like, I don't like doing that. So <laughs> I hired Tika, my amazing virtual assistant who like it does runs customer service for me. Like, and then I got back a huge chunk of time. So anytime like it starts creeping up, I'm like, all right, we hire in, we delegate, you know, we maneuver things around to really like, because I came here as well to have a good time, yeah. you know? And I don't want to look back and be like, yeah, I built like a 10 figure business, but I, you know, had a shitty time. Like I want to live my best life while I'm doing it. And I think the energetics of that is really what helps it grow. Like I like to go to Europe and just take a month off and like see how the business runs itself and do that. And we actually made a lot of money when I went to Europe because I was like playing and out in nature and like I got cool content and like it ended up working out, you know? And it's one of those things where like, 
I want to like live my life to the fullest. Like my life right now is better than it's ever been. And I was thinking about this a lot in context with my parents too. I just had my dad out here. I had my mom coming out next week. Like, I'm like, I want to spend more time with my parents while they're on the planet. Like I love them so much. It's never been as good as it is right now. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm not going to wait. You know, like I have a busy life. I have shit going on. I'm traveling all the time, but I'm like, I'm going to make time to like get them here and be with them. And like, while we're all like in our, peak state, you know? So like, that's something too, where like, we just had my dad here for five days and we had the best, most wholesome time. And, you know, we're like riding the ATV out in the red rocks and like doing all sorts of cool stuff. And like, just seeing him so happy, I realized too, like, that's my why, you know, like being, making the people I love really happy. And like, it's always important to come back to that. Like, yes, I love my business so much. It is like my baby, but it's also important too to like keep coming back to your why and not get caught up in the in the loop. Cause like, yes, I could focus 110% of my energy all the time on the business, but like I don't want to wake up just like burnt out. Like I, I want to like look back and be like, I had an amazing year. I went to Egypt, I meditated in the pyramids, I went to Europe, I did all the things, right? And the business prospered. Right on. I have just a couple more questions for you, Kat. But before that, is there anything that you feel called to share? Anything that you want to bring into the conversation to to put a bow on what's already been an incredibly entertaining, informative conversation? Yeah, I mean, if you're sitting here right now and you're feeling even an ounce inspired take action on it while you got this feeling like that's something I always learned to do. Like, for example, after this, I'm so hyped up right now. I'm going to go make some content because like you got to ride the wave. You know what I mean? And so like if you're sitting here right now and like the energy came through the phone or wherever mechanism you're listening and you're like, I feel the wave, I feel hyped, do something like anything buy the book, do the thing, take the course, like go meditate, get outside, think of the idea, like do one step toward the destiny direction, just one step toward the thing that you think is the destiny direction and just kind of like capitalize on it. Like that, it's all the game. Like I try to create a lot of experiences in my life that bring a heightened state of energy, whether like I go on yoga retreats all the time and like I take that energy and you bottle it up and like do something, you know? So like if you're feeling a little inspired right now, like do something with it, you know, that, that would make me so happy. Yeah, me too. Do you have, besides Dr. Joe Dispenza's, you've named two of his books. Do you have any other books that you'd recommend? I'd say the biggest ones were Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself and Becoming Supernatural on the Dr. Joe Dispenza side. Those two, I'd say, were the books like I was so passionate about. It, I started like building out a study guide on it to give to like Mike's grandma. I was into the stuff. I couldn't <laughs> read the book. And I made a version in my own words of pictures. I'll send it to you after. It's really cool. But like, it's one of those things where like, I'd say like those two books, I'm trying to think if there's any like main other ones, but those two books for me were the ones I started dabbling into like reality transurfing a little bit. Like there's so many different rabbit holes you can go down like once you kind of open it but i think those are just such great starter books of like the science behind this stuff and how it works um christy whitman also wrote a really good book on the universal laws like so that's another like author to look into christy whitman does cool stuff in this space as well awesome what is an ordinary everyday moment that brings you great joy sounds like there's many but Oh gosh, big one. I mean, for me, it's looking out the window. Mm-hmm. I love Sedona so much. And like, like when I like just take a moment and I'm like, this is my house. I bought this. Like I went from like <laughs> a little teeny tiny, like 12 by 12 childhood bedroom with all my furniture and my stuff packed in it to like a 4,000 square foot house. I like look around. I'm like, ah. <laughs> like I have this moment where I'm just like, 
this is my fortress and I just create things here. And like, just having this, like this thing that I manifested, like I dreamed of living here. And like, it's just like the, like when you see your manifestations come to life, it's one of those things where it's just like, Oh my gosh. So like, that's one of those wholesome moments where like, at least once a day, I try to just like look out the window and be like, this is my life now. Cause it, it changed so fast. You know, like I went from like, cranking out like monthly service reports for securitizations in my childhood bedroom, like my parents' house with like no money to like, you know, building something where I was like, wow, this is what I actually wanted. And then it came through, you know? So like just remembering those moments and like celebrating the wins, I think is really important. Like a lot of people get swept up and like they win and then they're like, okay, that's not a big deal. Now what's next? You know, which I, I'm very guilty of doing like thing, great things happen. And then I like, that, you know, is my new level. And then I'm like, okay, what's the next level? But it's really important to like celebrate the milestones that you hit. Yeah. What is something that people would be surprised to learn about you? Ooh, a surprise to know about me. I don't know why this random fact about me is just popping into my head right now. I'm actually like a brown belt in Taekwondo from when I was younger. I so I random. That. I don't know why that just dropped in. I also did Irish step dancing for a little <laughs> bit, like in middle school. Those were my two. And it was weird because like I, it kind of didn't really serve for either of them because I would go into like Taekwondo and they're like, you're kicking like a dancer. And then I'd go into like Irish step dance. I'm doing these like karate kicks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I normally ask where folks can connect with you online, but I'll, I'll just link to that in the show notes. Cool. And and you've already, in a lot of ways, answered what my final question is, but I'm still going to ask anyway. The podcast is called Mike's Search for Meaning, and I love hearing every guest's definition of what a meaningful life is. So what is a meaningful life in Kat's words? A meaningful life for me is helping people by doing what you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much sums it up for me. Like, I figured out what I love, which I think is a really big first step that a lot of people don't know. I remember crying to my boyfriend, Mike, one day, just like before I started the business being like, I don't know what my hobbies are. I was just kind of this shell of people pleasing. Like, I don't even know what I like, you know, and like kind of doing that self-discovery and figuring out I like helping people. I like dancing. I like spreadsheets, you know, and like kind of like coming together and kind of figuring out a life you can create and then figuring out the best way to serve while you're on the planet. Because Money's great, but the impact you create is what really ends up driving you in the end. Because once you meet your basic needs, once you make money, it's like, okay, now what? And like, for me, it's like, it's the impact that drives what I do. It's the emails in my inbox of people being like, Kat, I got this promotion. I got this raise. I literally before this was reading a picture of a guy sent me like these pictures of him and his family. And he's like, I would love for you to mentor me. Like I like what you did was so inspiring. Like they're sending me a picture. Like that's the type of stuff where every day I'm like, I got to keep going. Yeah, I keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to let you off to go take care of taking care of that content and using that energy that you yeah. already have built up in the last two hours and, and keep riding that wave. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. It reminded me of a lot of like Dr. Joe Dispenza, for example. I remember him coming on my radar also around the same time as you, 2019 or so. Yeah. And a lot of these thought leaders, I've kind of put them to the side and I've gone in my own little rabbit holes. And I really learned a lot from this conversation. I'm so impressed by all the different things, the different ways of personal development that you know around energetics. There's very practical left brain with woo-woo right brain 
And this integration of so many different energies and different things that are really creating a full, rich and meaningful life. And the listeners, I feel like you're going to have to go back and listen to this many times over because there's just so much packed in here. And I, it didn't feel like there was a lull at all. There was just, you were just firing off. So I'm riding this energy high too, Kat. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun and agree. That was, that was a power packed session. We, we went after it. I'm glad we did though. That was awesome. Hell fucking yes. And uh, to all the listeners, I hope that whenever you are listening, you have a good rest of your day or evening. You take that inspired action. You, I wrote down, be the blue frog. Yes. Get get rid of our triggers. And I want to include that in the title of the episode. Love that. Take good care and lots of love. Aw, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to Mike's search for meaning. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode with your friends, and leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time, my friends. And until then, stay safe, stay well, and keep living with purpose. Peace.